Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Wizarding Words. My name is Ben Barnes, your host, and uh, we are back um, a little bit off schedule, um, but we at least it's weekly now. So um, I am joined today once again by my good friend Ben Dorsch. Hello. Uh, our lovely producer here. <laughs> and um, so last time we talked, we left off... Uh, with the unexpected task as as, it, as it's uh framed in in goblet of fire um the uh the 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 task set upon um the boys to find um a date to the yule ball uh which is happening during the triwizard tournament um the the book s- sets it i think the title of the unexpected task is is fitting because it sets it kind of at the same level as fighting a dragon and fight uh, swimming in a lake for an hour. Anyway, um, and it, you know it's funny because that is kind of I, I've talked I talked before about how um, the tasks I think also all represent some form of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, the dragon task, obviously, um, t- taking the, the the form of a, uh, the fear of a violent uh, demise. Um, while the unexpected task, the the fourth task of the Triwizard Tournament, um, takes the form of uh, talking to uh, the opposite gender, which is a fear I struggle with. I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a fear, but um, it's intimidating sometimes, uh, especially with someone like me who doesn't know how to talk to other human beings. Um, <laughs> and so uh, they... Harry and Ron are racking their brains trying to figure out who they're going to ask. Uh, Ron has the bright idea to ask Hermione, hey, why don't we just go? And Hermione says, you know what? I can't. I already have someone to go with. Um, which sparks this kind of week-long thing of Ron trying to coax out of her who she asked to the ball. Uh, and Hermione obviously will not tell him uh, because she believes she uh, he will make fun of her. Um <laughs> And so this incident, there's there's an incident that happens uh, kind of in the midst of this, uh, in the midst of uh, find, the the guys trying to find dates. Um, Harry asks Cho Chang, who unfortunately says no, she's already going. Uh, turns out she is going with Cedric Diggory, who's Harry's kind of rival in this whole story, um, which is another kind of funny thing because the the whole time harry has this intense rivalry with cedric that cedric is completely unaware of because harry is just jealous that he has won the affection of this girl he has a crush on um and not for any partic- like justifiable reason uh for maybe him to be like rivals with like yeah. fleur or um or victor crumb i do not remember that in the book whatsoever <laughs> but yeah. um so there's this incident that happens um, where outside of potions class one day, um, Ron, or uh, I, I forget exactly the circumstances, but um, the trio kind of gets into a, a, an argument or a, a, um, a, a scuffle a little bit with Draco Malfoy, um, which results in Malfoy cursing Hermione um to make her, her um front teeth which are were abnormally sized to begin with um start to grow out out of her head oh god um and it's terrible and it's the worst 
and this this kind of like and this obviously makes Ron very mad and he, he lunges at, at, at Draco. Um, and this is broken up by Snape who comes in. What's going on here? Um, and they say, well, professor Draco did something to Hermione and Snape takes a look at Hermione whose teeth are growing, you know, past her chin now. And he says, I see no difference. Which, okay, there are a lot of people, uh, they're labeled Snape apologists in in uh, fandom. Um, like they're defending Snape. Anyone, yeah. yeah, so Snape gets a little bit of a redemption at the end of the story. But if you look past that, I mean, like this example is, that's terrible. Like, that's a horrible thing for him to say. And later on, uh, after Hermione gets it sorted, um, she comes back and and Ron's like, Hermione, your teeth are different. And she's like, yeah, obviously, I couldn't keep them like that. And he's like, no, they're different than before. And she's like, well, I just had her shave a few, a few, a few more, uh, or uh, like more off of them uh, than they overgrew. Um, And... I mean, but if you look at it in kind of from taking in Snape's comment into consideration, uh, he caused he said something that caused a fourteen-year-old girl to permanently change something about herself. Yeah. Maybe it was something she already was kind of like insecure about. Yeah, insecure about. Um, but that is what I think the straw that broke the camel's back. So yeah. that's just a shitty thing for him to Super do. Unnerving. I'm like, oh, especially, God, yeah. especially to someone we're used to Snape being nasty to Harry, but when he's nasty to someone like Hermione, who still has this crazy amount of respect for him, mm-hmm. uh, extra shitty. Anyway. Um, so we're leading up to the holidays and, uh, the, the Harry and Ron still don't have dates. Hermione's refusing to tell them who she's going with. Um, so in one last ditch effort, her, uh, Harry approaches uh, Parvati Patil, who is uh, in their grade, and he asks Parvati, uh, "Will you go to the ball with me? And will your twin sister go with Ron?" Um, and Ooh. she's like, "Oh yeah, whatever." Mm-hmm. Uh, her twin sister Padma, who's in Ravenclaw. Yeah. Um, and so the day of the ball comes, uh, Christmas Day, and Harry's awoken by Dobby in his um, in his dormitory, who wants to give him the presents that he he, he got for Harry, yeah. um, which are two uh, mismatched socks that Dobby had knitted himself. Dobby talks about how socks are his favorite uh, article of clothing because that's what Harry used to free him, mm. um, and. Uh, he, he, he gets his other presents. He gets a shirt, uh, sweater for Mrs. Weasley as per usual. And, um, Sirius gives him a, a knife that, um, can unlock locks. Um, a, a useful little piece. And it, and it, it also like allows for, or like it, it explains that Sirius is still paranoid and weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that really goes away. <laughs> And so, uh, the boys get ready and, and they go downstairs to the ball. Uh, they meet, uh, the Patils and, um, 
Ron sees uh, finally who Hermione is going to the ball with, and it turns out it is Victor Crumb. Um, the man Ron has spent idolizing the whole book uh, suddenly becomes this this source of Ron's hostility, and he hates him, and he's mad. Um, and uh, Professor McGonagall pulls Harry and Parvati aside and says, you know, the, the champions eat it up at the head table with the judges. Um, so they go, kind of leaving Ron and Padma behind, and uh, they go up with... Uh, Fleur Delacour and Roger Davies, who uh, is in Ravenclaw, um, Cedric and Cho Chang, Crumb uh, and Hermione, and then Harry and uh, Parvati, um, and they're sitting at the 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 table with the judges. Uh, just to review, um, Dumbledore, Madame Maxime, Igor Karkaroff, um Ludo Bagman and um, in the place of Mr. Crouch, who has, who is n- nobody seen since the, the, uh, the first task um, is uh, Percy Weasley, who is oh. his, his assistant mm-hmm. um, uh, who, who is there by proxy representing Mr. Crouch. Um, Percy says he's ill. And uh, so they have dinner. The, 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 the Yule ball chapter is actually the longest in the book. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, um, and so they have dinner, and Percy tells, yeah, Harry that Mr. Crouch is ill, uh, that he can't, couldn't attend tonight, um, and we just kind of overhear certain, certain conversations, um, Hermione teaches Victor how to say her name, uh, which I have read, um, I don't know if this is 100% true, but I I read that the, the reason this little scene is included is so people reading the books knew how to pronounce Hermione's name. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Strange that it would take until the fourth book. To yeah, I know. But well, and, might as well address it. Yeah, Hermione is, is obviously an abnormal name. Um, it's, a, it's a name from... I want to say Twelfth Night. It's a Shakespeare play. I think it's Twelfth Night, though. Um, and the reason uh, she is named Hermione in the books, um, I, I I have also heard, um, is because J.K. Rowling was uncomfortable giving her a common name uh, in the fear that um, girls... It, with that name would be made fun of for being comparative to a a, a know-it-all character uh yeah. which she, she sees hermione as um it has some foresight it's sad that she'd assume a know-it-all character would be made fun of but i mean that's just what the world sadly is yeah right so um so they eat dinner and then uh brings on this performance from of this wizarding band uh which of of which we just learned that there is wizarding rock bands um, called the Weird Sisters. Um, and so everyone starts to dance. Everyone's having a good time, except for Harry, Ron, and their two unfortunate dates. Uh, Harry is not um, the dancing sort. Um, and Ron is sulking because he's very angry that uh, Hermione is is with Victor Crumb. Obviously, he tries to blame it on... Uh, he's the enemy and he's too old for her, but really it's just out of jealousy because um, this kind of is a big chunk of the slow build uh, that is the relationship of Ron and Hermione. 
Um, and that like I really relate to Harry right now too because Dan I hated going to dances and formal events when I was in school. I, like I don't know if you felt that way. I mean, that's yeah. I, I yeah I hated you it. Only jump up and down in a crowd full of people for like yeah so right long in then, yeah. yeah I I I never. I I learned to enjoy it by the end, but that was kind of out of. I don't want to make uh, everyone else feel like shit because I'm not having fun. It's just not my scene, um, and it never was. I I I, ooh, I never liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, organized fun is weird. Organized fun is the worst. Yeah. I I 100% agree with that. I hate that, um, especially when there's like this big societal pressure to like, I'm glad there's only, there would only be one dance at Hogwarts had maybe I attended cause mm-hmm. I wouldn't have wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, like one dance, two dance, like it's nice. It's a good experience to go and do. Right. Like, the people that were normally at the dances that I had to attend because of high school, just weren't sure. the people I wanted to be surrounded by. So. And there's, there's such a big like stock put on them, I think in, in our culture. And it's, yeah. that's weird mm-hmm. because I think that might be more of an American thing, which is why she didn't probably include a bunch of them. Um, but yeah, th- th- there's this like weird pressure put on you in that situation which i i just never understood i yeah. hmm. too much stock i think is put on uh yeah jumping up and down in a crowd when mm-hmm. while a dj plays uh cha-cha slide or something yeah. <laughs> um i was gonna say stanky leg at least you've got the cha-cha slide still going the, well like there are there are like songs i can't hear now without thinking oh middle school dance mm-hmm. that one by aerosmith uh the one that was in armageddon uh you you would know it Uh, yeah that's just a middle school dance song and it's not good um but i digress anyway um so padma and Pravati kind of read the room and they're like oh this isn't gonna be very fun so they kind of go off and dance with some uh bobat's homeboys Uh, um leaving harry and ron to kind of do like do their own thing so they kind of wander around they're like let's just go outside and like chill they set up this nice little pavilion in the entrance hall with fairy lights and moss and and flowers and stuff um and so they're walking around and they stumble across um hagrid and madame maxime who are um on the their own little sort of date and uh, um one of the things I've always appreciated and really connected to with Harry is he is trapped in, you feel the awkwardness he feels when he's overhearing things he doesn't want to overhear. So like they don't want, they, they kind of duck into the bushes cause they don't want Hagrid and Madame Maxime to see them and think they're like eavesdropping or, um, but they also don't really want to hear them talk like haggard kind of try to flirt with this giant yeah. woman um and so th- they're kind of like i i don't want to listen to this <laughs> and um as as haggard kind of launches into this uh little little um conversation which that just kind of happens to them um and in it um uh, haggard begins to kind of 
imply that he um, is the daughter or well the the son excuse me of a a giantess and a uh, human man um, and he also kind of makes the the assumption oh you're like that too to Madame Maxime who um, takes great offense to that and kind of storms off and that kind of leaves Haggard down in the dumps mm-hmm. um, so uh having kind of overheard this awkward conversation um harry and ron come back in and um uh ron and hermione kind of have a little fight about crumb uh ron saying it's it's treasonous to to uh go to, go on a date with the enemy um <laughs> and his personal hero That's yeah yeah, right. The the man he was guffawing over guffawing. at the, the the beginning of the book, who who of whom he has an action figure up in his room. Um, oh man, yeah. And um, I misspoke actually. Um, Ron and Hermione have their fight before Harry and Ron go out and and hear Hagrid, but also before they hear uh, Hagrid's conversation with Madame Maxime. Um, they also hear this kind of whispered conversation between um, Professor Snape and Igor Karkaroff, who um, we know at this point uh, was a Death Eater, um, who betrayed the other Death Eaters. We don't re- exactly know how yet, but um, so so they kind of have this whispered conversation where where it sounds like they're trying to keep a secret, and obviously Harry uh, is very interested to hear what 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 always always looking for a reason uh not to trust snape he is very interested in what they have to say but um that eventually just kind of pitters off and then we again get the the conversation between hagrid and madame maxine um so after after the ball um everyone's kind of going back and um and cedric pulls harry aside and says uh thanks for your help with the dragons. And Harry's like, no problem. Um, and Cedric says, take your egg and go to the prefect's bathroom. Um, and, and take, take a back bath and bring your egg. Uh, and Harry's like, what the fuck does that mean? Um, and so for the next few weeks, um, (laughs) um, Harry kind of grapples with this. He's like, I don't, I don't want to take advice from Cedric because he took, took Cho to the, the ball. Um, which, you know, like is a very petty thing that a 14 year old boy would take an odd stance about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it makes complete sense like that. Yeah. Yeah. For that mentality at that point. There, there, there are, I mean, I am definitely guilty of taking weird stances for like stupid, inconsequential shit like that. Like spite's a thing. I mean, yeah, yes. right. Yeah, out of spite. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, uh, despite uh, what histories would suggest, uh, Ron and Hermione actually start to put put uh, the the fight they had at the ball aside. They kind of move past it. Which is like I think that also concerns Harry's like, well, what's going on here? That that this isn't what you guys do. It's red flags all over the place. Um, and 
uh, her they tell they tell Hermione about overhearing Hagrid, and she's like, "Well, that makes sense that he's half giant." And I think Ron remarks, "I just thought he drank a bunch of Skelligro when he was a kid, um, or something like that." Mm-hmm. And um, they go to they go to uh, later in the week they go to care for magical creatures, or when term starts back up, uh, they go to care for magical creatures and find that uh. They have a substitute, um, Professor Grubbly Plank, who um, is Hagrid's substitute, uh, who the kids all kind of universally like better because she's not as obsessed with danger and um, weird shit as Hagrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Harry is. It, it's funny because he'll like ha- like half-heartedly admit to himself that he likes her lessons better. Um, <laughs> Hagrid. yeah but um so th- they're confused as to why hagrid isn't teaching class and they they discover um through the jeers and taunts of draco malfoy that um rita skeeter the infamous uh gossip columnist um who has been since i think been banished from the hogwarts grounds or she isn't allowed uh in certain you know, she doesn't have full jurisdiction over this place. Um, she's written an article detailing that Hagrid is a dangerous half giant, uh, who is allowed to teach Hogwarts students. And his mother was, uh, Fred Wolfa, the giantess who is, um, dangerous. And I think they talk about her eating her young or something like that. Um, they, they, they paint a very unflattering portrait of Hagrid. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're led to assume that, Hagrid has has been not teaching class out of shame, um, and uh, but that also kind of feeds to another the the other little side mystery of this um this this book, uh, how is Rita Skeeter able to hear conversations she was not around for, mm-hmm. um, and so there's this drama around Hagrid and his parentage, um that occupies the trio's time for a little bit. They, they, on, on one of their Hogsmeade's weekend, uh, they head into the three broomsticks, to try to find Hagrid. Um, do not find Hagrid, but, uh, instead find, um, Ludo Bagman, the, the, the judge, um, of the Triwizard tournament, kind of talking hushedly with goblins. Um, and upon seeing them, uh, Ludo, pulls Harry to the side and says, you know, I could give you some help. I like you, Harry, you know, let me help you out. Um, and Harry says, no, I I don't want to cheat. Um, and we, we also discover that, um, Mr. Crouch is still sick and he is sending Percy instructions via owl. So he's communicating only through mail. Um, and nobody's seen him since he's taken ill. Um, so, uh, Fred and George walk into the three broomsticks, um, and upon seeing them, uh, for some reason, uh, Ludo Bagman kind of scuttles off. Um, we, we, we've been led to the believe at this point that, uh, Fred and George have, have some kind of business dealings that, um, seem awkward or, um, confusing to, to, uh, Harry and Ron and Hermione at this point. Um, but anyway, uh, also in the three broomsticks, Harry and Hermione um, run into Rita Skeeter, who they begin an argument with, um, 
regarding what they did to Hagrid, or what she she did to Hagrid. Mm-hmm. Um, and after their fight, Ron kind of says, you know, Hermione, you shouldn't like provoke her. Obviously, she has she can print whatever she wants, so don't 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 provoke hostility from this woman yeah. uh who who is obviously able to influence the um thoughts of a lot of people mm-hmm. um so in a last ditch effort to kind of soothe the uh the embarrassment of hagrid they go to the uh his cabin uh along with dumbledore who is also concerned with getting their his care of magical creatures back a teacher back um and Hagrid is obviously very teary-eyed and embarrassed, and he's like, I, I don't know why, what you guys think of me, and they say, you know, you're the same. You're great, Hagrid. We love you no matter what. And Dumbledore's like, who cares Like, who cares what their family is? I have a brother um, who got into a bit of um, some legal trouble with uh, something involving a goat. We don't exactly know why, but we, we can assume. Um, and this is the first mention of, of Dumbledore's brother, who uh, is granted a bigger role later on. We have already, maybe, maybe not. Um, um, no, the Hogshead comes in next. Next. Um, we will. We will meet Dumbledore sooner than than we than we think. Anyway. Um, oh, and that reminds me. Um, another thing. During the Yule Ball, this is going back a while now, but um, during the Yule Ball, um, Hag- uh, Harry overhears Dumbledore talking to, um, I believe it's Madame Maxime, um, about the castle, ha- Hogwarts Castle, and, and he, he mentions that uh, he doesn't even know every secret that ha- that is in the castle. Like, one time there's, uh, I really needed to go to the bathroom, and a, uh, ro- a room full of chamber pots opened, uh, and I haven't been able to find that room since. Um, <laughs> that's just a little foreshadowing, especially for next year. She, she, one of the best things she does is plants just little tiny seeds for for mm-hmm. of information that we'll need next yeah, year. Stuff you would never think twice about. But that's, exactly. Yeah. So that's obviously a, a setup to the room of requirement, which be, which is has a big role later on. Yeah. Anyway, um, and so at, at the end of their conversation. Dumbledore tells Hagrid, "Like you are to come back to work, and I, or you're fired, or something like that. Like in a in a playful kind of mm. get your head out of your ass thing." Um, and so with the second task kind of coming up, um, there's only like a, a week, two weeks left. H- Harry decides, you know what? I'm gonna swallow my pride a little bit. I'm gonna take Cedric's Cedric's advice, uh, and he heads on up to the um the prefect's bathroom and uh fills up the bath which is the size of like an olympic swimming pool um and which sounds incredible uh and there's all like all different kinds of water streams and and bubbles and stuff of the wizarding world that i'm actually jealous about it's not magic it's that (laughs) bathtub that just um and his his Bath is interrupted like halfway through by Moaning Myrtle, which is um, the last person you want uh, while you are naked um, alone in this in this giant bath. Anyway, um, and so 
after a few tries with opening the screaming egg above the water, he opens it below the water, and uh, the 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 clue for the second task is revealed to him. Um, and he works it out that um, mer people in the black it involves the black lake. Uh, he'll be ha- he'll have to be submerged for an hour, and um, the mer people are gonna steal something. Um, he doesn't obviously know all like all of what that entails um but he's he's worked enough out for himself um so on the way back to or so on the way yeah on the way back to gryffindor tower after after this he's under the invisibility cloak he's looking at the marauders map and he has the egg under his arm uh and he looks at the marauders map and sees barty crouch is in snape's office and he's like, why is Mr. Crouch in Snape's office? He's supposed to be ill. Why is he here this late at night um, alone in a professor's office? Um, so, so Harry decides to go check this out. I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to see what the deal with Mr. Crouch is. Um, and as he begins to go down to the dungeons, he forgets that one of the stairs in the staircase uh, isn't real. And he falls, dropping the egg, which makes a loud, uh, a loud banging noise as it falls down the stairs, and then it opens and it screams. Mm. He's still under the invisibility cloak, but um, so he's under the invisibility cloak, trying to like get himself out of these stairs. Um, and Filch comes and he's screaming, "What's going on? This is a champion's egg. What's going on?" Snape comes in and demands to know what's happening. Um, they obviously surmise there's a student out of bed. Um, and they are interrupted by um, Moody, who, we, uh, as we know at this point, uh, has the ability to see through Harry's invisibility cloak. So he knows Harry's there, but he's mm-hmm. kind of trying to cover him, uh, cover for him. Um, and... Um, the, but, but the last kind of piece of this, like, clusterfuck that Harry's gotten himself into is, uh, the Marauder's map is laying on one of the stairs. Um, and Snape goes to grab it, and Moody quickly, like, whips out his wand and has it sent right to him. Um, and so Snape and Filch kind of fuck off, and, um... But but Snape still has his suspicions. It's definitely Harry Potter, because um, who else? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. who it, else could have? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so Moody Moody asks Harry. Uh, he he helps him up, and he's like, you know, can I borrow this map? He, Moody's all very paranoid. He's all about. Um, at one point, Harry goes to his office and he sees all these kind of uh, detectors for enemies or dark dark magic. So Moody's like, this would be very useful to me. Um, do you think I could borrow it? And obviously, Moody's helped him out of a couple jams so far. So Harry's like, yeah, of course. Um, and... But Harry also kind of mentions Professor Moody. Why was Barty Crouch in? Well, why did I see Barty Crouch in Snape's office? And Moody kind of explains that Barty Crouch is is very 
very staunchly against um, anyone who is a supporter or a former supporter of Voldemort. So he's like, he was probably looking for evidence to support that Snape is still a Death Eater. Um, <laughs> and and then and then as they kind of leave, Harry's or um, Moody says, you know, Harry, you should consider being an Auror. Um, which kind of flatters Harry. Harry, Harry, Harry. Um, obviously, he wants to fight dark, dark magic, and the the best order ever is saying, you know, you should you should give this a try. Um. So. With the with the second task coming up, Harry has absolutely no idea how um, how the hell he is supposed to breathe underwater for an hour. Um despite having the help of Ron and Hermione who are both uh doing painstaking research to help him he he can't figure it out mm-hmm. um uh so it dwindles down to the the final night before the task and Ron and Harry and Hermione are all um hard at work trying to figure out how the hell Harry is going to breathe for an hour underwater um in the library and um Fred and George come in and say, you know, Professor McGonagall would like to see Ron and Hermione, um, which confuses them uh, at first. And um, but they go with them and kind of leaving Harry alone. And and uh, later that night, he tries in vain once again with his his invisibility cloak to go into the library after hours and kind of see see what else he could find. Doesn't find anything. Um, and decides to go to bed. So he goes to bed. Uh, and so on the, the the day of the second task, he is awoken very rudely um, by Dobby, who is screaming, you know, you have to wake up, Harry Potter, you have to wake up. And the Harry realizes he's late for the second task. Um, oh, <laughs> and and um, Dobby says, you have to go into the lake and save your wheezy. And the, Harry's like, what, what the hell does that mean? Uh, and Dobby pushes his hand full of this, like, slimy, disgusting... Um, plant which um uh which harry doesn't know um and and dobby explains it's gillyweed it's gonna help you breathe underwater that's but that's enough for an hour um you have to go down and so harry kind of sprints as fast as he can to the lake uh pulling on his robes and and um so already um out of breath he 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 downs the gillyweed uh we see once again percy is is as a proxy for mr crouch um and harry dives into the black lake uh not exactly knowing uh what um is in store for him he kind of swims around for 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 a bit um before discovering the settlement of the mer people um and discovering that floating in the water um is are the bodies of um ron hermione uh gabrielle delacour and cho chang who um they're kind of suspended they're pale they're they're um held into into the water um so harry being the only champion who has found them so far um assumes that if if he doesn't if 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 no one comes to save them that they will all die so he 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 be, he frees ron ron floats up to the surface and he begins working on ever uh trying to work on the other people um but the mer people stop him they kind of like 
knock him around and laugh and taunt it, taunt him a little bit. Uh, Cedric comes and frees Cho. Um, and Victor comes, um, with a shark head and, uh, frees Hermione and they, they both kind of go back up to the surface. But, uh, for some reason, Fleur has not arrived yet. So Harry works very, very hard to free, um, Fleur's little sister, uh, Gabrielle. Um, and, so, so in the in the idea that the tasks represent fears, um, I think the 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 lake task is fear of losing a loved one, um, which is in more like more I think emotional and psychological than yeah. fear of a violent uh, death by dragon, but. Um, and so that kind of, that that feeling overtakes Harry, and he and he even despite not knowing Gabrielle, uh, and despite Fleur being kind of cold to him all year, um, he works at his very best to try to prevent her from having this terrible loss. Um, and they're brought back up to the surface at the end of an hour, uh, in which Harry realizes they were never in any danger. And he wasted all of his time down there uh, when he could have been the first one back. Um, and so he kind of beats himself up f- for this a little bit. Uh, Ron kind of teases him a little bit. Why, why would you do that? Mm. Um, and then the scores come back, and it, it's revealed that the, the judges decide that because Harry was so um, adamant about freeing the other people that he has shown outstanding moral fiber and um should be rewarded uh second place so at this point as it as where it stands at the end of the second task harry is tied for first place with cedric Mm -hmm. um is that different in the movies because i remember fleur being like unable to go and save her sister and so harry actually does well yes and no Mm -hmm. uh i think the main highlight at that point is in the movie is that he tries to get Hermione free. Um, actually, I don't really remember. I think it's basically the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so Fleur thanks him despite, mm-hmm. uh, her, her sister not being in any real danger. Yeah. Um, which, um, Ron also, <laughs> she says, Oh, I can't believe like you helped. And Ron's like, yeah, uh, despite mentioning they were never in any danger, uh, nor was Ron able to help in any way. I guess he kind of like ushered her to shore as they began to swim up. Um, <laughs> but that that's kind of always that's Ron's thing. He he has to kind of scrape by what little glory he can he can muster, being the friend uh, of Harry Potter, the famous Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, and. So the, the the judges congratulate the the the, the champions and um, Ludo explains that the final task will will be held in June. This is February, so the, the final task will be held on the twenty fourth of June, um, and they're not going to get any uh, a- any clue this time. <laughs> um, so the next month, um, Sirius. Uh, who has been corresponding with Harry uh, via mail so far, um, 
instructs Harry and Ron and Hermione to um, meet him in Hogsmeade, their, ne- their next trip coming up. Because um, he wants to talk to them in person. He already explained that he was coming back to England, and um, now he, he's made it back. Um, and at, at, at breakfast before their trip, um, Pansy Parkinson, uh, who is this nasty little Slytherin girl... Um, who is described as looking like a pug, um, taunts Hermione about this article that Rita Skeeter has written, um, kind of putting Hermione on blast in in the sense that she is uh, this this. Well, so um, she we we discover that Rita Skeeter also have has overheard the the conversation. Um, that was held between uh, Hermione and Crumb uh, right after Crumb pulled her out of the lake, um, which is um, Crumb asks her to, would you like to come, like come visit me over the summer? Um, Crumb, I think, is really endearing because he he's portrayed as this big kind of lumbering, uh, hard blockhead you know but yeah. honestly in 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 the scope of things he just he he likes hermione he's very taken with hermione and he yeah. he enjoys her company which is nice um but anyway uh in rita skidge's article she details that conversation and she says that hermione uh has made her way from harry potter to to victor crumb um and she has this kind of like gold digger-esque idea of uh, famous wizards um and it, it also um kind of insinuates that hermione has been using love potions on these these boys um yeah. which which more than making hermione angry it it definitely sparks her how the hell is she hearing this thing she shouldn't be hearing the the she's not allowed on the grounds anymore she shouldn't be hearing this stuff mm-hmm. um um in potions class um snape gets a hold of this article and reads it out loud in front of everyone um continuing his his trend of nastiness and um he's not a fan of hermione this year no and and so after after this class this embarrassing class for hermione um snape kind of corners harry and and um, berates him for stealing, supposedly stealing boomslang skin, uh, which is a an ingredient in um, Polyjuice potion and uh, the gillyweed from his office. And Her- Harry's like, I didn't steal anything, uh, which obviously S- Snape does not believe. Um, and Snape also threatens to. Um, slip Harry some Veritas serum, which is a truth telling potion, um, which is foreshadowing. But anyway, um, but the, 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 at the end of this class, um, Karkaroff comes in and kind of demands to talk to Snape. So Harry kind of hangs back a little bit, trying, um, very slowly putting his books back into his book bag so he can overhear this conversation between these two men. Um, and, 
it kind of culminates in Karkaroff trying to lift up his sleeve to show Snape something. Um, Harry doesn't can't tell what it is, um, and Snape is is very adamant about don't do that, don't do that here. Like I don't need to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so on their Hogsmeade visit um, later that week, Harry and Ron and Hermione head up into the woods or into the the mountains and and find a cave um, of which Sirius and uh, Buckbeak have made their home uh, since returning. Um, Sirius obviously looks very disheveled. He's been on the run outside of a normal kind of housing situation. So um, they, they mm. he he looks just as scary as he did when he um yep. still on the run, still yeah. a convict. That's yeah. Um, still Sirius Black. Yeah, and and so Harry's or Sirius kind of um fills them in on some stuff he he on the character of barty crouch is a big topic um he he states that uh he he kind of informs us that barty crouch like is so adamant against or was so adamant in the fight against voldemort that he sentenced his own son um to azkaban uh for being even possibly connected to uh voldemort um and, and Sirius kind of says, you know, it's kind of heartless, like, to to boost his political reputation. He kind of condemned his own son, and and um, and he also says that um, the the merit of a man should not be registered by the how he treats his equals but his subordinates um citing the 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 cruel manner of which he he treated winky at the quidditch world cup uh Mm -hmm. his house elf and um and 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 it's it it is also very very odd to serious that that crouch is is not has not been present at all of the events um in in the the past few events of the Triwizard Tournament, of which he was the main one of the main factors in in procuring this year, um, and uh, so so we get this backstory with Mister Crouch and that um, his wife recently passed away, so he's all alone supposedly. Um, and in addition to Mister Mister Crouch's wife being being deceased, um. Uh, Sirius also states that, that Barty Crouch Jr. didn't last very long in, in Azkaban and that he also died. Um, uh, and so Ron, Ron brings up to Sirius how is, how is it possible that um, Crouch showed up in, in Snape's office and Sirius says, well, it kind of makes sense that he would want to be at Hogwarts to keep an eye on Dark Wizards. He hates Dark Wizards with all his, his might. Um and which launches into another little bickering thing about um with with ron and hermione about um whether or not snape is actually a bad guy um (laughs) of course hermione being on the side of well dumbledore trusts him so we should trust him too um and but but serious just to play devil's advocate a little bit um and as we will learn um has a, a more of a history with snape um says well I, I don't really know that people can stop being death eaters and I don't really, you know, he, at school he was very obsessed with the dark arts. So maybe there's something to Snape being a bad guy. Mm-hmm. 
which does not really sit well with with Hermione. Um, and then uh, Harry explains, well, Karkaroff has been kind of trying to talk to Snape, and Sirius, again, is like, well, that makes sense. Karkaroff and Snape both were Death Eaters around the same time, so... Um, uh, just watch your back, Harry, and and um and and uh with that word of warning, the the trio kind of ta- d- departs. Uh, they brought uh serious food from the 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 Great Hall, and mm-hmm. so he's he kind of eats the the whole time. Um, so, in an effort to unravel the mystery, the ever-growing mystery of, of what's going on with Mr. Crouch, um, the trio uh, heads down to the kitchens once again and tries to talk to Winky um, about what might her old former master be up to. Uh, and she isn't; she's drunk off butter beer, which affects house elves more than it does humans. Um, and because they're only like two feet tall. Yeah. Right. <laughs> They're, they're, yeah, their genetic makeup is a little different. Um, <laughs> just a tad. And uh, it doesn't, re- they don't really get much information through her sobs, um, especially when they say that he's missing, that that, that sends her down a, a big spiral. Um, and so soon after this, um, hate mail starts coming to Hermione, saying, you don't deserve Harry Potter. Uh I can't believe you broke Harry Potter's heart. How could you? You're the worst. And Hermione, like Hermione true to form is just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, this is so stupid. She doesn't take it to heart. She's just like, everyone is stupid. Um, <laughs> which, which also kind of, um, and so in their care for magical creatures lesson, Hagrid, ha- Hagrid's back and he, um, uh, uh, executes a, a lesson on nifflers, which are these little little uh, creatures with snouts, and they kind of dig up. They they hoard treasure. Uh, most recently seen in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, uh, but so Hagrid says, you know, I I buried a bunch of leprechaun gold. Uh, whoever's niffler can find some most gets a big prize. Um, and. Uh, at the end of the day, it's Ron, Ron's Niffler, um, and Hagrid also meant uh, scolds uh, Crab or Goyle, whichever one, um, not to try to take the Leprechaun Gold because it disappears after a while. Um, and as they're walking back up and they're talking about how good that lesson was, th- they notice Ron's kind of upset, and and Ron and Harry's like, "Well, what's up with you?" And Ron says. Why didn't you tell me about the leprechaun gold? Previously at the at the Quidditch World Cup, um, Harry bought him, Ron, and Hermione um, these uh, omninoculars, which are binoculars that can fast forward and rewind and give like commentary and stuff. Uh, and they were very expensive. And uh, Ron's like, I wish I could have one. And so Harry buys him one. Is like, you're not getting anything for Christmas. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And so during the game, when the, the leprechaun mascots for Ireland come out, they, they spray gold all over the the crowd, and Ron kind of shoves a handful of gold into Harry's Harry's lap, and is like, ha, now you, now, I, now you have to get me a Christmas present, because I paid you back. Um, so 
Ron asks Harry, why didn't you tell me that that gold disappeared? And Harry honestly is like, I, I totally forgot about it. And, and he, he, he also did get Ron a, a Christmas present, mm-hmm. um, which culminates in Ron muttering to himself, I hate being poor. And it's like, oh. yeah, and, and that's something, another dynamic between Harry and Ron that, that shows the selflessness of Harry, too, is that he wishes he could, he could provide, um, he, he wishes he could give, he's, it says here, he, he would gladly give the Weasleys all his gold, but he knows that they would never take it because they're kind um, people who don't want to gold dig Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, but that's also super real. Like, like, do you know when people are like, it doesn't matter because I'm ugly or something like that, and you're like, yikes. <laughs> like, that's all you can say. Like, Oh, and then it's just like this like awkward silent. That's that's what Ron kind of inflict and Harry and Hermione are just like, "Oh, jeez." Mm-hmm. Um and that's a very real feeling. That's a very relatable kind of situation. Yeah. Uh I'm sure I we're, we're all guilty of being that person. Oh, yeah. Um all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh but anyway, um And so, and Hagrid also tells Hermione, "Don't worry about the hate mail. I've been getting hate mail since she wrote an article about me. But who cares? Just toss it in the fire." Um, and so, uh, on Easter, um, Harry had written a, a letter to Percy uh, asking, "What's the deal with Mister Crouch?" Percy responds, um, "Don't, don't worry about Mister Crouch." Um, he also kind of says in, in not, not so many words, you know, you need to, you need to look after yourself, Harry, like people like, like Fred and George or such people, they're going to hold you back and you shouldn't let them, let them hold you back from what you can achieve, which, um, I think this letter, which puts a really bad taste in Harry's mouth, um, sets up uh what where percy will go next next year which is he he just is completely estranged from his family um believing them to be um detrimental to his his career um but anyway uh along with um percy's letter um also arrive um baskets of big uh easter eggs that mrs weasley has made um however Hermione's seem to be a bit smaller than than Harry and Ron's. Harry and Ron's get big, and Ron get oh. big ostrich eggs, uh, while Hermione's is just a small little dumpy one. Um, kind of this passive aggressive way of of confirming that Mrs. Weasley um, also reads Rita Skeeter's article. Um, But she still got a present. That's nice. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But again, it's this passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, 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 so, so, in May, uh, Ludo Bagman kind of brings the champions down to the Quidditch pitch, um, to a site which uh, infuriates both Cedric and Harry, um, who are both Quidditch uh, Quidditch players. Um, the Quidditch pitch is gone, and in its place uh, is a rapidly growing uh, hedge maze. And he's like, well, this is it. This is what the third task is going to be. Uh, and they're just like, oh, we have to get through a maze. And Ludo Bagman's like, well, no, there will be more to that. Um, 
but I can't give all that away. Mm. Um, so a- as they kind of walk back from being treated to this this site, um, Victor Crumb approaches Harry, and we we haven't really heard Victor talk that much, especially not to the other champions. And Victor kind of pulls Harry aside and is like, "Can I talk to you?" <laughs> and Hagrid and Hagrid, uh, Harry is like, "Sure." And they kind of walk along the the edge of the Forbidden Forest, and and it's it's very uh, awkward at first. And and Crumb's like, "You spend a lot of time with Hermione. Uh, what is your?" And he's like, "We're just friends, dude. Like, I I don't want like I don't want to date her. It, it, like, it's okay. We've never dated." Um, and that kind of makes Crumb a little bit happy. He's like, "Oh, okay." And um. Which is nice because, again, he's this big, like, threatening man. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's, like, jealous of Harry Potter because uh, he's so close with Hermione. Yeah. Um, so that kind of softens Victor up a little bit. Um, and, and and Victor uh, says, like, you fly very good. Like, in the first test, you did a very good job. And he's like, thanks. Like, we saw you at the World Cup. You're amazing. Um, but yeah. in between this, um, they're interrupted by... Barty Crouch, who kind of kind of comes stumbling out of the woods, his clothes are all ripped up, and he's like, not really talking like anyone's, like he's talking to people who aren't there. He, he seems very confused and disoriented, and this kind of frightens uh, Harry and Victor. And um, then then in in this weird moment of lucidity, he kind of grabs Harry and is like, "Go get Dumbledore," uh, and Harry says, "Crumb, you stay with." you stay with him, make sure he doesn't do anything weird. And then I, I'm going to go run up to, to get professor Dumbledore. Um, and on his way, uh, Oh, Oh. And, and another thing that Mr. Crouch says to Harry is he's getting stronger. Voldemort is getting stronger. So Harry sprints back up to the castle and, um, uh, he's stopped. I think at, at first by Snape, who kind of like gives him a little bit of a hard time, but he makes his way. He brings uh, Snape and and Dumbledore and maybe McGonagall's there too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, to the scene where they found Mr. Crouch, who is now gone. Victor laying stunned on the ground, um, and so Karkaroff kind of storms up to this scene, claiming that Harry Potter attacked Victor Crumb and that um, it was a mistake coming here and. Um, that just kind of uh, puts a damper on everything. Um, and, oh, it's not McGonagall. Hagrid is there. And um, <laughs> so after after Karkaroff um, talks, talks shit about Dumbledore, Hagrid kind of steps in and is like, don't talk about him. Like, you need to apologize, and it's cool. Um the, the the admiration Hagrid has for Dumbledore is very admirable and um um with this kind of very bizarre event of the madness of Mr. Crouch uh unfolding, it kinda of puts everyone on edge right now. Um Harry writes to Sirius and Siri Sirius kinda of scolds him for being alone with Crumb. Uh no one knows who can be trusted at this point. Um and so in divination class one day, Harry kind of dozes off because it's um, it's very boring and hot and in that room. And he so he kind of dozes off. And he has this dream once again 
uh, about visiting the the house we saw at the beginning of the book, the Riddle House, the um the big house in Little Hangleton. Um, and he he over oversees this again this, this conversation between uh, who we can assume is Voldemort, uh, though we cannot see him uh, being hid- hidden behind a chair. Um, he's being told that someone is dead now, and um, the dream kind of abruptly start be like ends with um, Voldemort t- beginning to torture wormtail who uh who has obviously displeased him uh and harry wakes so harry wakes up and um like screaming in the middle of class and everyone that kind of like makes everyone jump um and kind of clutching in his scar it hurts really bad um and he just says i need to go to the hospital wing but he in fact he goes to um see dumbledore and so as he's about to enter Dumbledore's office um he overhears uh that Dumbledore is talking to the minister for magic Cornelius Fudge and Fudge kind of tries to pin the blame on uh, of what happened to Mr. Crouch on other people um he he suggests that Madame Maxime might be the culprit uh being half giant and therefore very vicious um and and Dumbledore kind of accuses him of trying to, to to bend things uh to his narrative because um because of his prejudice against giants which is uh commonplace i guess in the the, the wizarding word world and um so before their their conversation can continue any further uh, moody interrupts and says that harry potter is standing right outside the door and um so before uh we continue i think this is a good place to end that um we'll finish up goblet of fire next week um talking about the harry's first journey into the pensieve um the third task and um the the graveyard of little hangleton in which um shit really starts to get real uh in this series um so I guess with that, I would like to say thank you for listening. Um, th- ben, thank you for joining me this week. Of course, of course. And um, we will do our best to get episodes out on Wednesdays like we promised. Um, so th- thank you um, f- for everyone who's been listening, uh, for being patient with the, as we kind of figure this out. Um, so I guess with that, I have been Ben Barnes, and this is The Wizarding Word and we will see you next week. Be sure to follow Wizarding Words with Ben Barnes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Also, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr for constant updates and exclusive material.